Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Happy Easter. This morning we run, not to a tomb, but away from it. Not to death, but to life. We run because we've seen the risen one. We run because we've witnessed your resurrection. We run because you are life, and your life is the light of all humankind, the light that shines the way to life. So we run toward the good news waiting around that corner, the astonishing miracle coming from that tomb where emptiness means victory in a dark space beats death, beats my death, which surely was around that corner had you not died for me, had you not risen for me. There at the empty tomb where Mary heard her name called and I hear my name too, I raise my hands in praise. Thank you, Lord, for your great sacrifice. You have risen. Amen. Happy Easter. What a special weekend this is. Because without Easter, without this weekend, we don't have a faith. This holiday right here, Good Friday, Easter, this is the essence that makes Christianity, Christianity. That Jesus died and rose again, that's what we're all about. Well, I've been working through a devotional on my own about the I am statements of Jesus. And I was reminded once again, going through that, that the resurrection and the life isn't something that Jesus did, it is who Jesus is. The resurrection is not something that Jesus just did. It is who he is. So grab a bookmark because we're going to be flipping back and forth this morning between John 11 and John 20. So open your Bibles with me to John 11, stick that bookmark in, and then we're going to go back and forth between 11 and 20. If you have a digital Bible, I'm going to give you a little hack. Open up John 11, scroll down to verse 25 screenshot that little section of John 11 and then open your uh, Bible app back up to John 20 and then you can go back and forth pretty easily. And if you don't have either, if you don't have a paper Bible and you don't have a digital Bible, you can either go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There's a form and some links there to get one or you can just search right now in the app store version Y-O-U version Bible. And that's the Bible app that we personally just really, really love. So in both John 11 and John 20, we're going to encounter a tomb. We're going to encounter death and we're going to encounter resurrection because we encounter Jesus in both of these places. This tale of two tombs is a reminder of the character of God and the life that he has called us to. So let's open with prayer and then let's dig in. So Jesus, I thank you that you are alive, that this morning we are able to celebrate your victory over death and the grave. 
And so would you remind us of your character? Would you remind us of the victory that we have through you? Would you remind us that in you is life? Would you remind us that you paid the price so that we could have freedom to come before a holy and just God? We love you. So this morning, would you reveal truth to us, Holy Spirit? Do you allow my own words just to fade away? We want to hear you speak. We love you. In your precious name, amen. Well, Jesus makes this startling claim during his life and ministry that he is the resurrection and the life. And that would have been like a blasphemy <laughs> statement that Jesus makes. It was one of the things that had the religious leaders of the day very nervous and seeking to kill Jesus. And he makes this claim beside the tomb of his friend Lazarus. He makes this claim in a time when the people around him are at the height of grief. So in John 11, verse 25 to 26, we see this moment transpire. And Jesus is talking to Martha, the sister of Lazarus, as they're beside this tomb as he's kind of late to the party to come and heal Lazarus while he's still alive. And he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Which is a strange, like, get your mind around all the words. But Jesus doesn't just make this claim. In a moment, he's going to act upon the claim and he's going to call Lazarus forth. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He'll be living again. And he's showing that he has the power to resurrect from the dead. He has the power to bring life. But those that are sitting around haven't quite understood that this isn't just something that Jesus can do. It is who he is. And so the Easter tomb, the tomb of Jesus, is the ultimate evidence that proves this claim true, that Jesus isn't just able to bring resurrection and life, but that Jesus himself is resurrection and life. Flip over to John 20, and we're going to start going through the Easter narrative together. Well, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And to know um, that this happened is one thing, but to re realize that this is who Jesus is is another thing. See, they had heard the claims that Jesus was saying he's the resurrection and the life. They had seen his power, but they hadn't quite understood yet that this was who Jesus is, that within him was the power to do these things. It wasn't just that he was a conduit of this miracle, but that he himself is life. And so this empty tomb verifies Jesus's claim that the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die because I am the resurrection and the life. The empty tomb gives the cross permanency. It makes the atonement that Jesus paid on that cross permanent throughout time and history. An empty tomb requires divine power. It requires 
a decision from us who are witnesses to it on who we believe Jesus is because he's inviting us into life, not just a life that's found by the good things around us, but a life that is found through him because he is life. Not just something that he gives us, but something that's wrapped up completely in him. And we can't find that resurrection or life apart from him because it's not just something he does, it is who he is. Fullness of life, abundant life, resurrection, freedom from death is found in the person of Jesus. Let's pick up at verse three. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, who is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. I just want to take a moment and rabbit trail and delight in the fact that John records these like kind of innocuous details that is so consistent with the personality quirks of this ragtag group of disciples. The fact that he kind of needed to boast a moment that he was faster than Peter when those three were kind of always, uh, Peter, John, and James were kind of always vying for who was going to be first with Jesus. And then also writing down this detail, the impulsiveness of Peter to like rush straight into this tomb. I love it. So Mary and the other women have come to the tomb to finish the burial rites that they began before the Sabbath. And we know that they kind of had to rush through and do as much as they could before the Sabbath would come. And they were trying to prepare Jesus's body to be entombed um, so that it wouldn't decay as quickly. It would be uh, not as stinky, really. And so at this point, Jesus's body is going to have been wrapped in layer upon layer of linen strips that were also soaked and sandwiched with ointments and aloe and spices. And so if you've ever baked with children and got like a flour and water mixture on a cloth and then it kind of gets tucked behind something, uh, maybe just my family, and you get it out later and it's hard and it's like takes some effort to pull that thing apart and to soak it all through so that you can wash it. That would be kind of what would have happened with these linen strips. They would have naturally started to dry by this point. They would have been hard. And so in essence, Jesus's body would be encased now in this like paper mache kind of mixture of ointments and oils and linen. And so if you wanted to get someone out of grave clothes at this point, it would have taken some serious effort. In fact, it probably would have required someone to cut the grave clothes off of him, which is what is portrayed for us in uh, Lazarus being risen from the dead when Jesus says, okay, now cut the grave clothes off of him. 
But what is portrayed for us here in John's gospel as they come up to the empty tomb is that these grave clothes are just lying there, still in place. In fact, the head cloth is also in place. I don't know what your uh, translation of this says. Mine says lying there. Yours might be folded up. But the Greek word here is entuliso. And it's a word that could also mean like twirled or wrapped. It's the idea of twisting. And so if it was wrapped around his head, it would make sense that we would use that word or John would use that word to talk about it still being intact. It hasn't been cut apart. The cloth that was wrapped around Jesus's head is still lying in place separate from the linen. So the grave clothes are there as they should be without any indication of strain or effort or hurry. There are no cut marks. They're just there. This is a bafflement. It's kind of this odd moment of looking in and seeing that everything is as it should be, but nothing is as it should be. The body of Jesus was not removed from the clothes by human effort. Bruce Milne writes of this moment, they appear undisturbed as though Jesus's body has simply passed through them in much the same way that he later appeared in a locked room. Unlike Lazarus, who was merely restored to physical life after death and so had to be freed from the grave clothes, Jesus left them behind as he moved to a new order of existence. This is unique. This is something new and unexpected that's happening right here in this moment. No one has witnessed anything like this before. Even though they've witnessed a resurrection before, Lazarus had to have his grave clothes removed from him because Lazarus was a man while Jesus is deity. He is God. And so in this one kind of simple detail to overlook, John is once again reminding us that Jesus is not just a man, that Jesus is God. And so his claim of being the resurrection and the life is made whole in this moment, that that is not just something that he did. It is the essence of who he is. And so this moment isn't impossible, even though it seems like it is, because nothing is impossible with God. Let's pick back up at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. This is probably my favorite moment of the Easter story because of the compassion that is so on display, the compassion that Jesus exhibits. And we see this throughout Jesus's ministry, the compassion that he has for people in the moments of grief and doubt and pain. That's on full display here because compassion 
Just like the resurrection life isn't just something that Jesus does, it's who he is. It is his character. It's who God is. God is compassion. And so he finds Mary in the midst of her grief and he calls her name. And in that moment, she recognizes him. And it makes me think of John 10 verses 3 to 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Mary knew the voice of her shepherd. And so she recognizes Jesus as he calls her name. And in him, she finds comfort in her grief. In him, she finds hope. In him, she finds life. And in him, she finds purpose. Jesus says to her, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I don't know if you're a parent, um, but if you are, have you ever lost a child? It is the worst moment. When Kaylee was about three, we took a team of teenagers back to the church that we had been in um, prior to the church that we were pastoring in at that point. And we were there just to serve that church. So we led worship, we preached, we did the kids ministry. And after service, you know, we're catching up with all these old friends and, and saying hello and getting caught up in conversations. And I turn around and where Kaylee had been playing, she was no longer. And there's that moment where you, you know, you say your polite excuse me and you just start to look and as time's going on, I can't find her. And what turned into just a polite excuse me, I'll come back and talk to you in a moment and walking through the church became our entire service team of teenagers searching the property inside and out for three-year-old Kaylee. It was an eternity. And when I found her, all I could do was cling and sob. All of my fears, all of my worries came out in tears and Kaylee just looked at me quite baffled because we had interrupted her exploration of this very cool building. I can only imagine Mary's relief when she saw Jesus face to face and realized that he was alive. I can't imagine what would have overcome her, this exhale of everything that she had held in, all of her doubt, all of her fear, all of her questions, all of her sorrow would have in that moment just seeped away. And I'm sure that the temptation would have been to stay and cling to him, to find comfort and solace in being truly physically connected to his side. And that the temptation would have been to not let him out of her sight, to stay there forever. But Jesus instead calls her to a moment of mission. Mary, I know that you wanna stay here and cling to me to find peace in being physically tethered to my side, but I'm calling you to more. 
And you can't be obedient to me when you're right here. You need to make a decision. And so he commissions her. He gives her a moment to decide if she's going to lean into purpose, if she's going to lean into mission. He commissions her to go and share what she has experienced and what she's seen. He asks Martha to make a decision of action as well. In John 11, verses 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Remember at this moment, there's no proof. The miracle hasn't happened yet. Lazarus is still in the tomb. But the truth of this statement wasn't about what Jesus was about to do. It was about who he is. And so he invites Martha into this moment where she has to grapple with who she believes Jesus is. Because that's going to determine her action in just a moment. Verse 38. So Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? I love this. So they took away the stone. What Martha believed determined her actions. And I love that despite her objections, despite what she had previously experienced and seen around a tomb of death, despite what seemed illogical in this moment, there had to be a point where she gave a nod to those that were standing around listening to this exchange and they took away the stone. What she believed led her to a moment of action. What Mary believed led her to a moment of action. And when we come face to face with Jesus, when we come face to face with what we believe of him, is he the resurrection and the life? Is he the son of God? Is he the one who can offer the world salvation, freedom from sin, life eternal? When we come face to face with that, we need to determine whether the truth of what we believe is going to spur us onto action or whether we're going to be content to sit and cling. And that's not what Jesus called us to. Be connected to the vine, but be people with your feet on a path of mission. He's going to invite us into a journey for his kingdom's sake. Go instead. Don't sit here. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. There are people who need to be told. There are things that need to be done. Go instead, have your feet on a path of action. Despite the temptation to sit and cling, 
And so Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we find resurrection and life in him. The reality of our world and the brokenness of it is that we are in bodies that are slowly expiring. We live on an earth that is slowly expiring and death will come to each of us in turn. But upon that natural death, we will experience either life because we have leaned in and believed in the one who is life, Jesus, or we will experience the price of our sin. We'll experience the price of our rejection of him, which is a second death as we spend eternity apart from Jesus. We are each dead already without even being aware. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. It means that just our natural inclination to put ourselves first, to do things that have natural consequences as we sin against others. Our natural inclination to want to do this life in our own power and be in control, which is a sin against God, as we don't recognize him as God, as we don't surrender to him as God, that has a consequence. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because life is who Jesus is. And God is compassionate. We know that compassion is God. We saw that as he spoke in such gentleness to Mary. As he spoke in such gentleness to Martha. Throughout his time that we read about in the Bible. As he declares himself to be gracious and compassionate throughout the word of God. His heart is not that any of us would have to pay the price of our sin. That's why he went to the cross. But that each of us would turn to him in recognition and forgiveness. He loves us. He wants us to know the truth of resurrection and life found in him, found in Jesus. Romans 5, 8 to 10 tells us this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we had nothing to offer, while we were still denying the existence and the reality of God, while we were content to be selfish, while we were hurting others and hurting God and hurting ourselves, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us before we asked him to. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We find life in Jesus. We find forgiveness in him without reproach, without condemnation, without shame. He simply offers us this gift of forgiveness and asks if we want to receive it. That's it. This gift of freedom from the consequences and death that are attached to our sin. 
this gift of finding life in him, through him, because he is life. It's so simple. 1 John 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, if we come to God and we just lay it all out humbly before him, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's such a beautiful, simple exchange of allowing God to do what he desired, to atone for our wrongdoings, to forgive our sins. It's allowing God to be first, to take control, to take charge, to lead us in the path that will be for our life and benefit. We each have a choice to make, like Martha did. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When he calls us to life, when he brings us forth from the grave, he does a deep work of removing our grave clothes, of purifying us, of bringing healing and hope and restoration to those places that we can walk in life so that we can walk with Jesus. And then he sets us on a mission. He simultaneously does this work of salvation, of, of bringing life to what was dead and purifying us, getting this process started of looking more and more like Jesus. And then calling us to be action-oriented, of sharing what we know to be true so that others can experience what we have. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This morning, I don't know where you are on this faith journey of whether you've already recognized who Jesus is and you've allowed him to exchange your sin for his righteousness, if you've allowed him to pay the price that the justice of God demands, if you've surrendered your life to him. And if you have, let's, I'm going to come back to you. This morning, if you're exploring faith in Jesus, if you're not quite sure of who he is, I want to let you know that God loves you. He loves you so deeply. And Easter is a testament to that. That when we had nothing to offer him, Jesus willingly came and endured the cross. And he rose again, conquering death and the graves so that we could live in victory so that the cross would be permanent. So that at the end of our natural days, we would be able to look in hope to a life eternal with Jesus. That there's a life in the here and now too, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. So this morning, if you are ready to make that exchange, there's no secret formula. All that is required is that we acknowledge that Jesus is God that we believe that he died on the cross and rose again, so that 
he could pay the price for my sin. And then we let him love us. We let him wash us clean and purify us. And together, step in step with the Holy Spirit, step in step with God, we begin this journey of walking out our life in surrender, of allowing God to be first in charge, of looking more and more like Jesus each day. So if you're ready to make that decision, I want to pray in just a moment. I want to invite you into that. And if you are ready to make that decision, we believe that faith is done best in community. And we weren't called to do this alone. And so if you are going to make this decision right now, in the here and now, because it doesn't require a prayer, if you're ready, would you text us 604-210-8535 and let us know that you're taking this next step of receiving his love and looking more and more like Jesus each day so we can walk with you, so we can go through any questions or doubts you have, that we can just encourage you on this faith journey that you're on. So text us 604-210-8535. If you believe this, that Jesus is the resurrection, the life, then there's work to do because there's a mission far bigger than us, far bigger than our own limitations, far bigger than our doubts, far bigger than our circumstances. And we've been called to be people on mission. Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20, Jesus gives the great commission. I wanna read it from the message for us. So Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, making them by baptism, marking them, sorry, by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, after day, right up to the end of the age. Let's pray. And again, if you want to make this moment the one where you have this beautiful exchange, as you bow your knee and surrender to God Almighty, as you allow Jesus to forgive and wash clean, then would you pray with me now? Jesus, I believe that you are God. I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. I believe that as you walked this earth, you did so as God, not just a prophet or a good instrument of God, but as God himself. And because of that, you alone were able to endure the cross and pay the price for my sin. And so right now, I ask that you would wash me clean, that you would pay the cost of my sins so that the justice of God would be appeased. And you would allow me to walk free and clear and holy in your sight. I pray that you would help me every day to surrender my will to yours, that I would walk step in step 
looking more and more like you as I spend time with you and your mannerisms, your heartbeat, your character rub off on me. God, would you make us people on mission, people of action, who share the good news, the hope, the life that we found in you with those around us. We love you. I thank you that you are alive. And as you are alive, you are with us. We don't take any step alone. We love you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for hope and salvation and life that's found in you, in your precious name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Lisa, for leading in that wonderful Easter message. Uh, we're so glad that we can celebrate with you uh, here online. Well, as we close, I have a couple announcements for you. The first one is we are having a mandatory plan to protect training night. It's going to be April 20th at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. And plan to protect is part of our abuse prevention policy. And it is a training time uh, for all of our next-gen volunteers. So evangel kids, preteens, and youth uh, all need to be there so that we can continue to be trained uh, so that we can learn how to care for the kids uh, that we oversee in all of those various ministries. And so we'd love to see you there. If you're not part of our uh, next gen team, but want to join, this would be a great place for you to come uh, and, and just get some of that training so that you can start off that process. Uh, we would love to see you there. Next is our AGM. So if you are a part of uh, the membership of Evangel, this is an important meeting for you to attend. Uh, it's kind of all of the parts of our BC society and being a charity uh, that need to be fulfilled. It's also a time to come together to celebrate and remember uh, this past year and all of God's faithfulness. And so that's gonna be happening uh, Sunday, April 24th at 2 p.m. here at the church. Uh, and so we hope to see you there. And if you're a member, we, we really do wanna see you there uh, as we celebrate this past year together. Preteens, this is for you. We're having our next preteen party, April 27th, that's Wednesday night, here at the church at 6.30 p.m. Guys, you need to get your creative juices flowing because we are gonna be doing like a great cookie bake-off. We're gonna be decorating, it's gonna be so much fun. Uh, we're gonna come together on teams and have a really fun night. So we hope to see you there, 6.30 to 8 here at the church. And then finally, if what we do here uh, adds value to your faith, or if you wanna walk in the obedience of, of giving here at Evangel, we would so value and appreciate your partnership. All that the ways that you can give can be found at myevangel.church forward slash give. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Easter weekend. We hope you have a great rest of your day.